0: Hello and welcome to the brand new series of The Dirt, in partnership with Gardening Works. We're the podcast that aims to nurture the seeds of love for the edible garden, even when things go wrong. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own
1: magazine. And I'm Emily, Laura's co-host. On today's first episode of the new series, we will be discussing the many mental and physical benefits of being in the garden, as well as top jobs to do on the plot now. But first, we have National Trust gardener, Johnny Norton, joining us from the beautiful Mottisfont Garden in Hampshire. Hello, Johnny.
2: Good morning. Hello. How are you? I'm Hello. good.
1: Good. How are you? How are things at Mottisfont? I'm
2: good. And it's, it's ah, do you know, it's it's turned a corner. Uh, I don't know, January always seems such a long old month. I'm oh, sure yeah. most gardeners feel the same. And you go into February and there's a, there's a you know, the light hours start to extend. Uh, and it's it's just, we've had some really lovely dry, sunny days here in Hampshire. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, things are starting to grow at last. Uh, so yeah, no, really excited. Yeah,
0: it makes a huge difference to see a little bit more daylight as well, doesn't it? And actually have the time to spend a bit more time in the garden. Yeah,
2: definitely, definitely. And there's a lot to do in February. such a busy mm. month. Uh, it really is. Um, and it just it builds and builds mm. from here on, I guess.
0: Yeah. So um, before we started the, the podcast you were telling us about your seed haul that has arrived so obviously because we're at that exciting part of the season would you be able to tell us some of the things that have arrived that you'll be growing? Yeah. this Yeah
2: actually funny enough just it, I can't miss it there's just the biggest pile of envelopes <laughs> you've ever seen from various different seed companies um, and I was a bit no I thought I might have ordered them a bit too late in the season because I remember during lockdown everyone was growing right everyone was buying seeds and it was oh gosh you can't buy them they've they've all been sold out so anyway, i got these nice and early i'm staring at a purple climbing french bean um, uh, called uh, Cosvoilette, voilette which is really lovely it's really tasty and it's quite showy Uh, and actually just even looking at the seed packet gets me excited because it's kind of like i can picture the crop i can picture those summer salads you know and all of that stuff uh, and then you kind of think back to the season before and then I go back to my diary and I start thinking, right, when did we sow it last year? Was it, was that right? Did, could I change that? You know, and, and it goes on and, you know, that's just that's just one variety. I mean, gosh, there's there's masses. I've got so much salad. Mm. I've got so many. I found loads of different salads. Uh, I've just sown actually some winter salad, which is quite early, isn't it? To sow, sow salad. But um, um, and, and some some spinach has gone in already Uh, so I've sown that direct actually but yeah no there's big big box of seeds I'm very excited.
0: I'm sure that um, Emily and I are very envious of you having all of that beautiful space to grow in (laughs) compared to our little garden. Uh,
2: (laughs) Well do you know the great thing about the the garden our our kitchen garden at Farm, which in fact it's new I mean it's only a a, a handful of years old Um, but what's lovely about it and I think what our visitor's Really enjoy about it is we 've got a whole series of raised beds, so if you join them all up it 's one big garden, but actually separated out they 're quite modest mm. and so people have looked at them and got ideas um, for their own smaller spaces, um, so we get a lot of a lot of visitors who have um, allotments um, small spaces who are really engaged um, with what we do and actually, I listen to them and some of the things that we do in the garden. I'm thinking about the smaller garden. Mm. Um, although we're in this very beautiful, grand, one-acre wall garden, um, you know, so we've, we've made things that people could make at home, you know, yeah. and, and they kind of pick up on that and it's it's lovely, actually.
1: That's such a nice element to be able to just pick a bit of something and take it home with you and think, I'm going to add a bit of Mottisford into my own garden. That's such a lovely yeah. idea.
2: No, it, it it is that. And that's why it's different, actually. This kitchen garden is is quite unique really there isn't one quite like it because um because it's got all these kind of raised beds and pathways in between and 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 as you pointed out you know stuff that you can kind of go oh I, I could do that um it 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 has a really interesting following because historically these these old kitchen gardens were you know, there were central paths, weren't there? There would be like a big crossroads in the middle, um, often a, a dipping pond in the centre, and then and then all the vegetable beds. And you'd never really get up close. So what we've done is we've interwined paths all around the bed so you can literally get up close to the, uh, to the action, which is good. Yeah,
0: that's great. Um So to get you started on your... Successes and fails in your gardening uh, career. We'll go. Mm. We'll go down the the nice avenue first. I'll be
2: honest. The fails are a bigger list, but <laughs> yeah, sorry, I think they are <laughs> for all of
0: us. Yeah. Um, but would you be able to tell us about any of the really standout successes from your gardening career so far?
2: Yeah. I mean, when when you when you kind of think of that, you know, that question kind of comes through, and and and, and automatically, I think of probably the more recent work that I've done. Um, and I, I think the thing I'm really probably most proud of um and if I search back there's lots of little things I've done along the way but I think creating the kitchen garden at Mottisfont actually is my my I, I'm just so happy that that's worked out mm-hmm. um and the design is well received um by 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 all, all parties really mm. most importantly visitors but also you know historically our curators and all the rest of it uh so yeah now I feel I feel really chuffed with that mm. that that's up and running and it's predominantly also run by volunteers which is really lovely so i kind of steer it and they're becoming so kind of so confident in the garden now this is their third season um, that they're, they're, they're sort of telling me telling me what to do and so <laughs> actually are you sure about that johnny uh, which is really great to see to be yeah. honest it's really really great to see yeah.
0: and it also must feel amazing that you're creating something that fo- forms a part of a place with such a rich history as well, oh, like your totally. garden, is part of that.
2: And of course, I'm only one cog in the wheel. Um, so to, to create this this type of garden and build it, um, it was a monumental effort. And uh, again, volunteers, you know, we we would be lost without the volunteers at the National Trust. Um, uh, you know, they they pretty much built the garden. <laughs> so all the bricks were reclaimed. Oh yeah. So we we I sourced all these lovely old bricks, and they were of course reclaimed bricks because because they were. They were in, you know, the cheapest ones I could find. Um, they were covered in bits of concrete and God knows what. So all the bricks had to be hand cleaned. So there was an army of wow. volunteers that was just doing that for months on end. Uh, bless them. Yeah. So it was. It was. Uh, yeah. It was. It was a almighty effort. Yeah.
0: Um, we actually, in our previous series, had um, discussed, and also in the magazine, had discussed the. Um, benefits of sort of collab- the collaborative nature of gardening oh, yeah. but also obviously there's the the mental well-being side of it when perhaps you just want to get out into the garden and have some time in nature on your own um but would you say that the collaborative nature of Mottisfont is one of the things that makes it what it is?
2: Yeah I'm I'm I'm, I'm glad you brought that up actually because it's 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 so important and misunderstood about how powerful garden spaces are, green spaces. Now that uh, we're talking about kitchen gardens now, and 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 I think you know that is dialed up yet further with kitchen gardens because um, they have their own spirit. I mean, you have the kind of spirit of the of of fond of, of the entirety of the gardens, which is 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 very romantic, very very kind of timely because it dates back thousands of years, and you've got all of that history. Um, but I think when you introduce vegetables um, into a sort of beautiful space as well, you know, you really connect in with with vegetables. They're very, very beautiful things. When 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 a lettuce is at its best, I mean, they are stunning. You know, they're not a big bunch of flowers, and that's fine. But in their own right, I've, I've, I find them utterly beautiful. And the fact that you connect with that food source in its rawest state. Um, even if you're, you know, you're not a gardener, um, there's, there's, I believe there's something that's going on um, in, in, in the background that is, is really beneficial, really quite calming, and um, I love it, you know, and I love it when, when people walk around and there's a bit of fennel frond and and we we can catch up with them and say, listen, have you, and, you know, and, and it's very tactile mm-hmm. and you can grab a piece and rub your fingers and. And and the expression people. So it's that connection, isn't it, with with you're opening up your senses. Um and of course the great thing, and you'll all know this, the great thing about gardens and looking around garden spaces is, is you are in a very present state. And of course, if you practice gardening yourself and you're you're actually on your hands and knees doing whatever, you you um you're so present, you know. Uh you, you your mind hasn't got the, the time to kind of worry about what happened. In the past, or what might happen in the future you 're focused on the work and it's um, uh, I think all of those and I could talk all day on this because i, I it 's very close to my heart. Um, I think gardens and mental health and well being um, are, are becoming more understood, but I think that there 's so much more um, and and I think you know if I kind of wave my magic wand, I can see more and more green spaces. Mm-hmm opening up all over our countryside and in our cities and so it's a very exciting moment yeah, for gardens. Absolutely.
1: There must be that layer as well of that you're you're feeding people you know you're that's you know giving back as well that must be a lovely element to the mental benefits of, of what you do. Yeah, yeah
2: yeah I mean for me you know personally it's a very very satisfying um, job that I do um, for, for all those reasons. Um, completely agree with you yeah.
0: Well we've eased you in gently and asked you the the nice side of the <laughs> side of the coin. So now would you be able to tell us about some of your gardening fails or funny stories or anything that has gone wrong?
2: Yeah I mean it, it's to be honest with you you know something always goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know and weirdly when people come around and look at look at the gardens at Mottisfont not just the kitchen garden, other other areas. Of course, they don't see that, do they? They just say, "Oh God, it's just beautiful." What, what you know? And everyone says to a gardener, "They say, why, why are you moaning about it?" You know, we always <laughs> moan, don't we? Uh, and we moan because things do go wrong in our kind of perfect world. It's not quite right. And it, it, there's never a season that's not quite right, you know. Um, but uh, so there's, there's by being a gardener, there's you carry a lot of frustration. Um, but every now and again, every now and again, it's worth its weight in gold because every now and again, you just look out and the sun's out and there's smiley faces. Uh, and and for that moment, it looks, ooh, it's almost perfect, you know. and And you kind of live for those moments. But I think you know, on terms of kind of complete and utter fails, I mean there are so many <laughs> if i'm honest um, I can remember actually not that long ago and and uh, you you will have known or heard about the flea beetle mm. um which is this um delightful pest um, and I remember planting so much radish one year uh, and actually this goes back a bit of time in a garden in Somerset another walled garden in Somerset that I was working in um, this is probably 25 years ago I guess and I remember being so excited this great germination A direct sowed masses of rat I mean way more than I, I, I thought we, we needed and uh, this was supplying this very smart um, restaurant actually um, it was part of a hotel and um, uh, and the chefs are all excited you know great Johnny's planting radishes and we're going to do X, y, Z on the menu uh, and it was almost overnight, I kid you not there was this this sort of mass mass kind of infestation of flea beetles oh no um, and the whole lot were were, were destroyed you know, the whole lot was knackered. Uh, and I, and, and I just never forget that. So I've got this real itch about (laughs) flea beetles, you know, whenever I see, see one, I really panic, you know, and I, and I've ever since then, I've, I've been really kind of nervous around, um, around radishes. Now I actually don't, I, I never direct sow them now. I sow them in a greenhouse and, um, and then bring them out when they're a little bit bigger. You know, I've got this sort of panic about, about around flea beetle but anyway so you know that 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 that's one thing but you know the point the point is is that you know that happened and I'm sure it's happened to lots of people and um, when you lose a big crop it's really you know you don't forget mm-hmm. but the point is you don't forget and you do something mm-hmm. about it so you know I've made some changes of how I do things you know you know you see you you kind of limit your risks don't you um and so there's there's some good that's come out of it Mm -hmm. um I tell you the other thing that I think I'm I'm I mean this is this is a weird fail but but it's also a kind of something that I'm really grateful for um is you know when I was trained a long time ago you know double digging was was just you know you you had no choice you know it was just Go on then, off you go. Double dig that, and um, you know you learnt it at college, and 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 it's kind of drilled into you. Double digging, boom, and uh, replenishing beds and so on. And then, of course, I learnt not that long ago. Well, some time ago, but but um, maybe about ten years ago, I learnt about um, no dig. Mm. Um, which i'm sure you, you've you've talked about before, uh, and the principles of no dig and that completely transformed the way I garden and um, I'm a com- complete convert um, and we, you know we make something like hundred and fifty tons of compost at wow. um and practice no dig in the kitchen garden and it, it's just fantastic uh, and, and uh, it's even in our, our historic rose garden where possible we, we just use hose for um, managing the weed and composting, mulching with compost and so on. Uh, so yeah so I think that's a you know a fail on my part all those years of double digging um but uh, <laughs> uh again you kind of learn don't you and you kind of sit. so yeah I would 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 encourage any gardener kitchen gardeners in particular uh to look into um no dig and of course the guru of no dig is Charles Dowding um who's a mate of mine and um uh so you know I think uh if you want to start somewhere log on to his uh his website and um, get some, get some really mm. great advice from him.
0: Yeah. He is um, a former guest on this podcast as well. So is he? Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm surprised. I'm surprised he wouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. Actually. Uh, he's, yeah. uh, he's, um, he, he's done some fantastic stuff over the years uh, and continues yeah. to. And um, yeah, I mean, um, he actually, he came over and gave a talk at front a while back now because um, you know the weird thing is about no dig. When you when you're working with gardeners um, who have had a very traditional training, you know introducing something that's very different can really freak them out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you know it, it's lovely to see it at the National Trust. I mean you know we have many many hundreds of gardens, um, historic gardens that we look after, and a, and a huge number of them are turning to no dig now, which is which is brilliant. Um, and, of course, you know, there's the kind of practical benefits, but, um, you know, one of the real benefits is the health of the soil. You know, you really are feeding the soil life. And uh, in turn, that's going to create, um, you know, all the, inv- the, the the perfect environment for your plants to live a healthy, as disease-free <laughs> life as you could possibly wish for. Um, and so it has many, many benefits. But, uh, yeah, so I think, I think, yeah, no dig and... And double dig, yeah. <laughs> um, a, a sort of two massive learning learnings for me. Um, I'd actually, just I'll finish off on one thing that that because only because it's kind of fresh in my mind. So I always make the mistake every year because I'm certain so, I'm sure everyone else does this as well. I can't believe I'm the only person. Is that I always plant out too early? <laughs> so I've got my <laughs> seedlings coming and coming on, coming on, and and the glasshouse is sort of near to bursting, and I'm sure. Most will recognise this, or it might be windowsills, you know, Mm, (laughs) kind of stuff everywhere. And now we're kind of imagine that we're going into March, middle of March, and we're just itching and it's quite warm. And here in Hampshire, um, we get this late frost and uh, it's that last full moon in April where you can you can get clear skies. And uh, so I'm always tracking that moment. And I remember one year, actually the first year of the kitchen gardens, about three years ago, um, I just, cause I was so keen to get stuff in the ground so visitors could see and, uh, and I, and I planted out a whole load of, um, you know, semi-tender lettuces, uh, salads, uh, and, and blow me, we had like minus eight, uh, on the 30th of <laughs> oh. April. So, and the whole lot was knackered, oh. you know, so it, and, and every year I do it and I, and I don't know why it's like, it, the temptation <laughs> yeah. is too big. So, yeah. um, that's a tricky one to manage but obviously it it changes depending on where you live in the country and your frost pockets and so on Um, but for us in Hampshire yeah that's um so I'll be doing the same again (laughs) Yeah, yes, I mean, I, I'm sure. I know
0: I've mentioned before on the podcast that I do the exact same thing, but ah. for a sort of tactical reason, that um, I have things in propagators on the windowsills, and one of my cats has made it her full-time spring job to knock every single oh. propagator off of the windowsill. No, so it comes to a point where I think, okay, the seedlings are either going to die because they've been knocked. On the floor <laughs> and out of their and out of their cells, or they've just got to go outside and fight for their lives yes. out there. So,
2: cats and gardens, yeah, yeah.
0: They're not a they're not a good uh, not a good combo. I would. Well, say. yeah. <laughs>
2: I mean, we've 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 had cats at font for for many years. There isn't one at the moment. Um, I live opposite the wall garden um, on an estate cottage, and I've got a cat actually, um, but she hasn't found Mottisfont yet, fortunately. <laughs> uh, but actually, they they do keep the mice down. Um, they manage the mm. mice, which is which is a problem for us. Um, and so you know they have their place. but yeah, yeah, it, that's a tricky one, isn't it? <laughs>
0: um, so to bring you on to um, tips and tricks that you've learned over the years, do you have any either time or money saving tips that you'd be able to share with the listeners?
2: Yeah, well again, I would would just I mean there are some others, and I'll mention them in a minute, but but I think you know, no dig um making compost um there is the effort that goes into it of course but you are you know recycling all your green waste and uh it 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 saves you so much time further down the year in particular it, it it's it's um it's amazing when you put a let's say a two inch layer of of you know mulch with some really great compost hopefully it's your own um Um, over your beds it really does trap the moisture in um and you know we do hardly any watering um in in some parts of the garden and people are amazed when I say well do you know we this is the rose garden actually our famous rose garden and I say yeah well we 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 never water it after after you know may and and people go really and and then I scratch down that kind of dry dusty Mm -hmm. top um, a couple of inches, which is that compost that I'm talking about. And then you've got this lovely damp soil underneath, you know. And so, you know, that in itself, if you just do that, I mean, gosh, you can really, really save on the water and, um, you know, water rates and all that hosepipe bans that I'm sure we're going to see more of with the changing climate. Uh, so I think that's that's got to be the biggest tip. Um, something that we we do recently uh, at Font. Um, is we use the, so we've got a lot of mature apple trees that are are, are pollarded, pruned, um, really for structure and shape to grow roses up in the rose garden, so they're not really pruned for fruit. Um, And then we have these lovely long whips of canes of of, of the apple trees, uh, and we use those to to make plant support. um, And and we've started we've started actually weaving, so we just use hazel posts because we've got lots of hazel on the estate um and of course you know hazel you can find you know in hedgerows and here it's fairly accessible material and we We drop in and sort of make a circle of posts and then we weave around with these apple whips and create this kind of nest of which is probably about i don 't know a foot high uh fill it with our compost, and then we use those as strawberry planters oh wow, and that's that's worked really well. Um and what's rather lovely is because the the strawberries kind of hang over the edge of the these little woven planters. Um and, and the planters last for about, I don't know, three years or so, and then we we do it again. Um so that, that's a good a good tip is you know when you're pruning, kind of think what you can do with those offcuts of material. Um can they be shredded and go in your compost, or actually can you use them? um so we we're, we're making some rhubarb forces in the same way um it, which is a bit more complicated um as we're finding <laughs> but but you know we'll persevere we'll, we'll we'll make it work uh so so yes i'm a big fan of recycling and 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 just slowing down and thinking twice about what you're doing and you know Um, and and trying to be as sustainable as possible, I Mm. guess.
0: Yeah, and that's only becoming more and more important as time goes on as well, isn't it? So I think um, it's great for people to hear of ways that they can be a bit more sustainable in the garden.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it all depends on on your space, of course, and what what you can and what you can't grow. But, um, you know, grow some hazel uh, if you can fit it into your garden. It's a beautiful shrub. You know, it's lovely. They've got wonderful catkins at the moment. They're a really attractive winter plant. Um, but but they provide so much as well. So think about plants that you know, winter interest plants that you can then prune in March and use the whip so cornice and salix or so willow. Um, you know, they, they they produce some really useful material. Um so, so some of those plants you could kind of incorporate in your garden space that then could be used and harvested. Um, for material I and mean, obviously hazel we use hazel for um, bean poles um, rather than bamboo uh, for example you know quite often we kind of think oh I need to make a plant support for my beans or whatever and we head down to the garden center and they've got piles of bamboo that have come from who knows where um, but but they've traveled a long way I suspect <laughs> uh, and so you know we, we we've got other materials that we can use um, perfectly well so uh, yeah that's the kind of thing um, I tell you what I, I thought of just now when I, when I was talking about planting out too early of course you can plant out early if you protect them because I bet some of your listeners might be thinking yeah but you could you could put a cloche over them awfully and 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 you're absolutely right but the only reason I, I didn't say that is because at Mottisfont, Font because it's this, this very pretty historic garden we've got to keep yeah. it looking really tidy mm. so that's why we don't don't have all these, um you know, plastic cloches and fleeces everywhere. Yeah. So anyway, and also go.
0: you'd need so much of them as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no,
2: totally.
0: You'd need loads of cloches and lo- <laughs> miles of fleece. <laughs>
2: I, I remember seeing actually. I remember seeing. um Oh God, where was it? There was some very famous garden. I can't think in France. Uh, uh, you know, big old kitchen garden. One of these very traditional old kitchen gardens from probably the 1700s, I guess um uh, and they had these um lettuce forces and they were beautiful they were terracotta lettuce forces just little domes and they had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds because you imagine only many letters there uh, and that was a sight to behold I mean but <laughs> who could do that yeah. right
0: <laughs> so bringing you on to our last question would you be able to tell us what the biggest lesson you've learnt in your gardening career has been
2: yeah well i i would say no digs up there i think i would say moving towards a an organic garden in so much that eliminating any herbicide fungicide pesticide Mm -hmm. uh, or the sort of need or desire to use any form of chemical on the garden Uh, and i've been gardening like that for some time now but but I'll be honest, I didn't used to be like that in my earlier career um, because I was taught to go to the chemical cupboard and if you have this problem, well then you've got this and it's a bit sort of was for a period forced down our next. and I think my shift and change to to become an organic gardener has been massive because it, 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 you know it's very simple to say, right, well, I'm not going to use it, but what, it, what in turn you learn, particularly if you work in a garden, for the same garden for a long time, which of course you would in your own garden, um, you learn to recognize um, what pests you've got uh, and you see that changing from year to year and you see you know there's a bad year for aphids and 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 you talk about your talk amongst this with your with your with your friends and and go what's it like for you Well, yeah ours is bad for aphids as well and and it goes on and then you kind of think okay what what are you doing you know and and there's organic ways of managing that mm-hmm. um biological controls of course and uh and and so you you really start kind of zoning in on on what pests you've got and 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 actually it's okay to have the pests in the garden. Mm-hmm. So to have that balance is what's key. And when you, you become an organic gardener, you notice that there is much more of a balance. Of course you're going to have aphids because, you know, we need aphids because some of the predators feed on the aphids and so on and so on. And, and the journey I've had and, and my observations, um, you know, they, they, they never see. So, for example, um. The coriander. Yeah, I remember le- we left some coriander, which bolted, and we let it flower. Um, and then I was amazed at what flew in onto the coriander flowers, you know, so there were there were so all sorts of parasitic wasps that I hadn't seen before. Mm. Uh, and of course, they are controlling some of the pests. Uh, and it goes on. And, and I think, uh, I think that has been my biggest learning, and still is today, because um, I, I, I learn something every year. Um, and yeah, uh, and I think you know the no dig, of course, is works alongside that because, of course, you're you're adding compost, you're feeding that soil life. Because we we also look at the life of you know for a long time. I've just kind of focused on what's happening above the ground so we we we, you know we see a problem with a plant we react we try and fix it um and um you know by actually spending as much focus on what's happening below the ground so what's happening to the life below the ground of course you can't see it can you Mm -hmm. um but what you can do is you can feed that with the compost and you know that worm life and 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 all those um um beneficial fungi which you get to see of course when they start flowering when the when the uh, um you see all these different fungi popping up and then you start to recognize what they are and you realize that what you're doing is creating this fantastic balance that is is helping you you know helping the plants helping your vegetables um, but most importantly, if you're growing vegetables, of course, what it is doing, and this is often forgotten, I think, is it's supercharging them with nutrients. You know, the reason we grow vegetables is to eat mm. them, I hope. <laughs> yeah. That should be the reason you <laughs> grow vegetables. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and, and so, therefore, we want as much nutrition as we possibly can. Yeah. And, um, y- you know, if you, if you run an organic garden and you practice no dig and you make your own compost and your soil life is healthy – and all this this wonderful stuff is going on. Well, the nutrition content in your salad or whatever it might be is going to be supercharged compared to what you can normally purchase. Um, and so, for you don't eat, you don't need to eat as much of it, you know. So it's a very sustainable way of kind of looking at how we grow our food. Um, so yeah, I think that's my big learning.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And I think I think that is such a it is probably something that a lot of gardeners are feeling now because, as you say organic you know a few years back people weren't taught about organic gardening and so much of gardening is what the people before you did whether you learned from your parents your grandparents or someone that you worked with and I think completely so much of it becomes almost tradition and yes you know that's been passed down that I think it's so great that now it is becoming a bigger thing
2: yeah yeah I completely agree well we learnt a lot of this from the Victorians um, and, and you know the Victorians I, I think I'm right in saying this I think the Victorians kind of sponsored the RHS you know so a lot of that old historical traditional methods of gardening have really I think I said it right at the beginning of our, our chat you know it, it, it's massively influenced um, how we garden and um, and I think we're in a really exciting time as you say that, that, that you know that is starting to be challenged and changing and obviously with, particularly with this, you know, huge impact of climate change, which, you know, is not mumbo jumbo, it's just, it's, it's, it's happening, you know, we're we're seeing it. Um, It's affecting our gardens. So you roll that forward 25 years from now, um, you know, we, we, we need to really be thinking about, you know, can we collect our rainwater um, you know how how can we manage our gardens more sustainably and so on so yeah, uh, absolutely
0: yeah. um well thank you so much for joining us for a chat today johnny it's been it's been great to hear all about what you're getting up to at motors and you know i think emily we might need to do a press trip so.
1: <laughs>
2: yes 100 percent. you're very
0: welcome
2: <laughs> yeah no i would love you guys to come down i mean it's it's great any time of the year it's it's fantastic yeah. and um you know the kitchen garden starts filling up well, from now, really, I mean, we've got lots of broad beans that we planted out, and garlic we planted out in the autumn, and spring onions, and God knows what. But um, it, it it crescendos. Oh, and I didn't tell you about we've we've got this amazing gourd walk.
0: Oh yeah.
2: Did you know that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We've yeah. got this very long pergola, and I believe it's the longest gourd walk in the UK if you join them together. Yeah. But um, amazing. So yeah. Yeah. That's worth worth its weight. So that'll be September, October, but it, it's quite quite something to look at
0: actually um well i'm sure that you have lots to do in the garden so we'll let you get back to (laughs) it but um thank you so much for joining us and that's a pleasure emily um shall we go and hear from our sponsor yes let's go gardening works has all you need to get the best from your plot from composting the old to planting the new Specialists in all things wood visit the website to see the full
1: range of award-winning raised beds, compost bins and so much more. Gardening Works is passionate about gardening, wildlife and the environment and makes sure all of the wood used in its products is FSC certified and sustainable. Gardening Works products are handmade in the Ribble Valley to the highest possible standards. Find everything
0: you need to create your perfect vegetable garden this season by visiting gardeningworks.co.uk that's gardeningworks.co.uk hey everyone how are we doing yeah hello yeah not bad thank you yeah pretty good (laughs) um so for everybody listening Myself and Emily are here and we are joined by Grow Your Owns content writer Sophie. Hi Sophie. Hello it's nice to be here <laughs> I'm joining the team. <laughs> I mean we'll skip the cringy tell everyone a bit about yourself. <laughs> yeah. Don't have many interesting things. <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. Um, so yeah sunny day outside today. Has everyone got their cups of tea at the ready for some serious gardening yeah. chat? got hot chocolate on the go. Good choice. Um, So Sophie maybe you can kick us off.
3: Yeah well actually I was reading this morning a really good article um, on The Guardian um, and they have a plant of the week Um, so this week it's Devil's Ivy and Mm -hmm. it just got me thinking you know I know we've we've had a lot of chats recently about you know different house plant mishaps and other successes but also just enjoying trying to look after them but obviously we are a little bit better at growing vegetables so (laughs) um but yeah I was just wondering sort of yeah
0: what what are you how is your house plant situation at the moment I mean (laughs) it's not good news my end I have to say (laughs) um my calathea is not doing well Um, I think I may have accidentally waterlogged it. Initially, I thought it was when the heating came on in winter and the temperature change. But I think I've just accidentally waterlogged it. So I'm desperately trying to nurse it back to life. The money tree is faring slightly better. They obviously all have to be things that the cats can chew and not die. So, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crucially important. The top um, pet books. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, probably the less said about those at the moment the better for me. How about you guys? Are you both are you in the houseplant winners club at the moment? I'm Oh, you were, Emily.
1: Well, no, I, <laughs> I haven't I haven't actually purchased any new plants for my home yet, mainly because um, I used to have a few succulents on my desk and I managed to kill all of them and I think it's just because I have a tendency to want to mother everything and i overwater, <laughs> mm. and they just seem like strange beasts to me I cannot yeah so basically I need yeah. some recommendations of what you think would be a good house plant for me to look after
0: <laughs> I think maybe that's something that we can put out to listeners for recommendations because mm, I'm not sure I'm that um I'm in any position to recommend anything to anyone. Than... <laughs> well, I know I, I used to have a bit of a, a thing for
3: orchids. Um, I think there actually is a quote in my yearbook that says most likely to have a collection of orchids. <laughs> so I used to be really on the ball with them. <laughs> um, and in the past few years, I, I did have a couple um, and they've slowly just sort of started to die. Um, and I've tried to revive them. They had a bit of root rot. I think I just got a bit too friendly with them I kept trying to sort of water them and like (laughs) plump them up but yeah it's sort of not worked out for the best and now they're sort of sitting looking sorry for themselves up on my shelf so (laughs) I might be having to replace those soon unfortunately um but yeah my prayer plant is not doing too bad had a bit of a brown patch but I now I feel
0: like the common theme here really is that we all just love our houseplants too much yes we yes. want to give them more than they are willing to receive
1: definitely but then for yeah. me I'm such a shallow grower because it's, if I can't eat it then I don't necessarily want to grow it it's all <laughs> no, about the food for me I mean that is fair <laughs> enough
0: <laughs> that is one of the main reasons
3: people do grow their own something. yeah,
0: yeah. And I don't know if I'd recommend <laughs> chowing down on any of the house plants no. but I suppose something that no. you could do is I believe I'm right in saying, Emily, you have just sowed some of your chilli seeds, which can be a hugely ornamental and productive yes. houseplant all if yes. you so desire.
1: Yeah, rasmataz is, yeah, it ticks all of my boxes. It looks pretty. People are impressed by it. It's small and compact, so it will fit on my sunny windowsill. And Aww. yeah, just a good all-rounder for me. There you go. Very exciting.
0: <laughs> I think, I know I've probably mentioned this before because it's in my like... The dirt bingo, similarly to my fig tree, first mention of the new series. Um, <laughs> but, um, but my, I think my favourite chilies for ornamental purposes were those Nosferatu ones, oh, where the leaves were purple and the fruits were purple, but then ripens to really blood red. They yes. were amazing, looking. so dramatic. Yeah, sound nice, but
1: yeah, just really yeah. satisfying to grow. I, I remember he you, um, you gave me a little seedling once, and I. I mothered it.
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> it, it enjoyed <laughs> my love. To mother.
0: <laughs> which kind of brings me on to, a, we, or we should bring back the chilli growing competition, which mm. is difficult with people semi working from home, semi working from the office, but
1: mm.
0: we have to do it in some way. Yeah. Maybe um, yeah. a daily update with a picture posted on <laughs> on a group chat or something
1: i thought you meant on social Uh, media or something i'm not sure our followers would appreciate a daily picture (laughs) of a chili (laughs) oh yeah it got one Uh, millimeter longer
0: (laughs) (laughs) so what i wanted to talk to you both about today is a lovely feature that actually was also from the (laughs) guard that was also from the guardian by Alan Jenkins, talking about the sweet solace of a roof terrace, and he was talking about how um, space at home is an inspiration and how it makes you feel, and all of the different benefits of it. Um, obviously, this is—it was hugely, hugely true of the last couple of years that people that had access to outdoor spaces they were hugely beneficial and continue to be so. So I just wondered really, have have both of you had any moments recently in in the garden that have really made you feel at peace or happy? Or... I think
1: recently, I, I try and get outside every day because obviously working at a desk and things, it does, you feel a bit stifled after a few hours. So I always try and get out with the dog. And this week has been the first time where I felt that warmth of the sun. Mm-hmm. It sounds really silly to say because it has been certainly before, but the warmth of the sun and that... That smell of the hint of spring in the air. Yes. And that's really perked me up. Absolutely. I can't explain what it is, but there's just almost like a, a sweetness or an earthiness of the of the of the air mm. that I just think, oh yes. <laughs> Brighter days are coming. And yeah, all that hope of the, the year ahead is is on its way, which yeah. is comforting.
0: It's funny you should say that, because I actually had a really similar experience the other day. I was on my lunchtime walk and um one of the verges had just been mowed and that smell and it was sunny at the time mm. and I just thought oh it felt for just a split second there like we were almost in spring summer kind of
1: yes. kind of thing yeah cut grass I'm, cu- I'm cutting my grass in a couple of weeks time and I'm sadly excited about it <laughs> because I just love the smell of it. It just yeah. yeah, it reminds me of school actually when you used to play on the playgrounds and they would mow they used to mow this field that we were allowed to play on at primary school. Yeah. And for some reason it takes me back to being about 7, which is is lovely.
0: I think in terms of a kind of well-being moment outside, I may have mentioned this before, but was one that I had um towards the end of last summer that one of my raised beds had salads in it and we'd had periods of really hot and really wet them really hot and really wet and the lettuce had all bolted and um I was going to pull them out but then I, th- I was sitting there one day reading a book in the garden and I looked across at it and it was just covered in bees and I honestly sat there for a while just watching them and I thought, oh no, I'm going to leave these because the bees are loving it and it was so unbelievably relaxing to just sit there for a minute Mm -hmm. and take it in. You know, that felt one of those really good for the soul sort of moments. Yeah,
1: 100%.
0: How about you, Sophie? What have been your um, outdoor mindfulness moments?
3: Well, I... I remember, it's actually back in my days when I was at university, um, I remember above our university house um, there were lots of red kites um, that would sort of frequently fly over Um, and sometimes there'd be one on its own and sometimes there'd be three like all in all in the same sort of circle and they'd just be kind of just sort of patrolling the air (laughs) over the house and every morning I'd look out and I'd see them sort of circling and it was just so peaceful and relaxing and and I really like sort of watching birds outside in the garden anyway but when it's a bird of prey you think wow and then sometimes you'd see it swoop and it was just it was really lovely there so um yeah mm, I think yeah. that's the one that stands out to me the most anything really involving birds in the garden <laughs> it's really relaxing for to me sort of you know waking up in the morning and you hear them and yeah I'm looking forward to spring so we can hear that a lot more <laughs> yeah that's really yeah.
0: lovely isn't it it's so good to get out in nature and see a bit of wildlife and Spring, when our tiny seedlings are coming out and days are a bit longer.
1: Ah, can't wait. So I guess it's my turn now. Um, So I found a piece in the Independent on their website. And they were talking about um, basically people that, you know, uh, getting into old age and ways that they can um, avoid suffering from uh, bone joint and muscle pain. Um, And that they would found that obviously intense exercise that's done regularly can... Uh, greatly help to reduce issues with things like this so um, digging in the garden with a spade counted as a high intensity exercise Mm. uh, which is beneficial um, and could help to ward off chronic musculoskeletal pain in the long term (laughs) I just thought that was interesting to know yeah but um, you don't think about how much you build up a sweat doing things like that really
0: no it all adds up doesn't it in the end although I would also argue probably the next day when you wake up and think oh what has happened to my legs that's when you realize (laughs) how much you were digging
1: (laughs) yeah and also how sore like I'm all of my muscles would feel sore the next day because yeah uh, I'm normally just sat in my office chair so any sort of activity (laughs) and yeah but you know for the long term it's it's definitely worth doing I mean obviously other sports and things yeah uh, counted towards that as well but you know I'd say weeding raking surely they've got a you know come under the same sort of bracket as well
0: yeah and also that now means that we can say yeah we do sports <laughs> definitely wears me out
1: but yeah I count that as a sport I'm actually a,
0: a really good a really good sports person yeah I suppose <laughs> it's good for, for everything <laughs> although one
1: thing that sort of slightly upset me um was it says somewhere along here that um basically this however mild and moderate forms of exercise such as dancing walking and vacuuming did not have the same protective effect and I was very upset oh. by this because I did my hoovering this morning and I was building up a sweat because I've got a heavy hoover so yeah. whoever says that I do not agree with that I'm afraid because that is definitely a workout for me <laughs> yeah
0: it's definitely physical exertion <laughs>
1: but I suppose fresh air combined with digging and etc. So
0: maybe we should say even people that are practicing no dig gardening perhaps should have a little patch to do their digging workout in.
1: Yeah or even just like digging up like the compost heap like turning the heap and stuff surely that counts. No it, that would definitely be a workout for me. <laughs>
0: yeah and also turning your compost bins yeah. or compost heaps or whatever that is a lot of um muscles required
1: or like pushing a wheelbarrow around
0: that's full of compost
1: I mean I'm not a very strong person but <laughs> these must be high intensity <laughs> yeah. exercises to someone I suppose
0: uh, well I have to say it's that's another nice thing about spring because until now my workout has been lifting my cup of tea from my desk to my face so yeah. <laughs> oh
3: also that that burns lots of calories too yeah
1: <laughs> thanks for a great team chat everybody now let's go over to jobs on the plot This is an exciting
0: time of year on the plot, and signs of spring are appearing at every turn. However, it is important to remember that frosts are still commonplace, so keep those covers and fleeces on your plants. You can make a start on your herb garden with hardy crops like thyme and chives. They're the perfect options for getting them into your heated propagators. It's wise to hold off a little longer on the more tender types though. If you haven't got your garlic bulbs in the ground, now is the perfect time. Prepare the ground, removing any large stones and weeds, and plant the bulbs using a trowel. Those gardeners growing strawberries this year can warm the soil by placing cloches over young plants. The benefit of this is the stimulation of growth, which can help you steal a march on the season. Have a great week, and until next time, happy growing! This episode of The Dirt was brought to you by Gardening Works. Wood specialists providing high-quality, sustainable raised beds, compost bins, and much more. Find the website at gardeningworks.co.uk for more information.
1: Thanks again for listening to The Dirt. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you could rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the word at your allotment site, community plot, or even just over the garden fence. Plus, as a special treat just for listeners of the
0: debt, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer. Head to growfruitandvegcouk forward slash grow2, that's G-R-O-W and the number 2, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote grow2 to receive three issues of Grow Your Own straight to your door for just £12.99. That's a saving of 38%. Every issue is packed with gardening advice, expert tips and tricks and jobs to tick off your list. And each magazine comes with brilliant bonus gifts, often a selection of seasonal seeds. Check the episode notes for details and terms.